Support for Today Explained comes from Lumen. Have you looked in the mirror lately, Lumen wants to know, and found yourself surprised by dark circles or fine lines? You may want to consider Lumen, which is a skincare line crafted especially for men who want to look and feel their best. Their dark circle defense balm is a lightweight gel that Lumen claims can instantly plump dehydration lines and reduce the appearance of dark circles, Sean. You can head over to lumenskin.com slash today and get your free trial of Lumen's Dark Circle Defense Balm and other products now. Your skin just might thank you. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hundreds of thousands of Americans go missing every year. So maybe like me, you were a little confused when the entire internet seemed to dedicate itself last week to finding just one of them. We reached out to Vox culture writer Asia Romano to figure out what made the disappearance of Gabby Petito different. Why people so quickly became obsessed. Sean, I think there are a number of reasons, beginning with the viral social media aspect of the case. She was an aspiring influencer. She uh, hashtagged her quote-unquote van life on Instagram. She had this supposedly idyllic life where she was road tripping with her boyfriend, the man of her dreams. And from outside, it all looked very picture perfect. I think our plan for today is to just hang out here in the tent. But then she abruptly went missing, and I think just that fact by itself was enough to really intrigue people. The search for 22-year-old Gabby Petito spans across the country. Bringing Gabby Petito home safely, that is her family's goal. Then, as this case went viral, more people got involved, and the Internet's role in solving it, I think, um, has raised many, many, many questions and and sparked lots of discussion about various aspects of true crime and various aspects of the role that quote-unquote web sleuths play in hampering or helping investigations. Let's go back to the beginning of this road trip. Gabby Petito is an inspiring influencer on Instagram. Does she have a big following? She did not have a very big following, but she was hoping to substantially increase her following over the summer when she and her boyfriend, Brian, were going to go on this uh, road trip across the U.S. And she began posting content in July, documenting their trip. Um, They were going through all these national parks, visiting all these like sand dunes, like just having a really, really nice time, Um, at least... That's the impression that you might have gotten from her social media. Hello, hello, and good morning. It is really nice and sunny today. It's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, Except then, abruptly, at the end of August, she went missing. She was last spotted by eyewitnesses on August 24th, and around then was the last time Gabby's mother spoke on the phone to her. 
So, Gabby is driving this van that she owns. Her boyfriend is with her. And he unexpectedly comes back from this road trip without Gabby. He drives the van all the way back to Florida, where his family lived, and then just refused to say anything about what happened to her or where she was. So Gabby's family, growing increasingly concerned, finally reported her missing on September 11th. Whatever you can do to make sure my daughter comes home, I'm asking for that help. There's nothing else that matters to me now. This girl right here, this is what matters. That is it. So from September 11th up until today, 11 days later, this case has basically grown out of nowhere, taken over the internet, and exploded. Okay, we now know about the domestic incident that happened on August 12th, and this- There is an interesting new TikTok theory about Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie. There are allegations that Brian appeared on Instagram Live accidentally for two to three seconds, and viewers saw water as if he were on a boat. I think to date there's been like hundreds of millions of views of the Gabby Petito hashtag on TikTok. And there's also been massive searches conducted by the FBI and local law enforcement. Today, the FBI executing a search warrant at the home Brian Laundrie shared with his parents and his fiance, Gabby Petito. Two people went on a trip, one person returned. And that person that returned isn't providing us any information. So he was pretty rapidly named a person of interest in the case. Where does all this extra interest in the case lead? Uh, to Utah, because that was where she was last sighted on August 24th. And so keep that date in your mind, because on September 16th, the Moab City Police Department released uh, this body cam footage of police responding to a 911 call that happened on August 12th. Okay, turn off your engine. Go ahead and set your keys on the dash for me, all right? What's you guys' names? Gabby. I'm Brian. Gabby, Brian, okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. And there's over an hour of footage. Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up the back of the van before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. Not like mean. And once this body cam footage is released, then there are suddenly millions of more eyes on this case and millions of people talking about it and about how she was acting and how he was acting in this footage and how the cops responded, um, especially because now this footage isn't being looked at just as a domestic violence incident, which is how it was initially called in. Down there, I don't know, we'd have been fighting all morning, and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you have your OCD? told me I needed to calm down, yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm, I'm calm all the time. She's clearly upset in the footage. She spends most of the entire hour crying, just sobbing, while Brian tries to downplay the whole incident. So, tell me, what's going on? It, the shoes get worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her, so like, I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. Um, and we also see the cops coming in for a lot of criticism here, because the police and the, the body cam footage, although they responded kind of sympathetically to Gabby, 
and they went out of their way to try and make them separate for the evening. But they also really acted as though Gabby was being histrionic. They sort of like bro-fisted Brian and like trying to bond with him over how, you know, sometimes women just have these breakdowns. Believe me, if I were to say that me and my wife haven't had our share of spouts, I'd be lying to you. Where does the body cam footage lead? Well, it brought more tips, right? Because you have more people looking at the case and thinking about their own reflections. So I saw Brian Laundrie parking his van August 26th at Sprite Creek. Hi, my name is Miranda Baker. And on August 29th, my boyfriend and I picked up Brian at Grand Teton National Park at 5.30 at night at Coulter Bay. I'm 100% certain that I did see him parking his van. And... He was very kind of awkward and confused, and it was just him. There was no Gabby. And among them was one tip that probably proved crucial to to really narrowing the search for, for Gabby. When we pulled in, we've got double GoPros. So we have one that faces front and one that faces my husband while he's driving. And the GoPros just keep rolling. On September 19th, this couple who had been vacationing in the Grand Tetons on August 27th, remembered that they had captured video footage of a van on the side of the road. And we passed by their van or a white van. And the white van had Florida plates. And we were excited. And this was kind of just a, a, an extraordinary chance. So many things had to align for this to happen because they went back and they found video footage of this van that was quickly identified as being Petito's. And I ran to the computer pulled out my footage, scrolled through it, and lo and behold, Gabby's van was recorded in there by a complete accident. When they actually went to search there, um, that search apparently was successful because on September 19th, the authorities announced that they had found a body that they believed matched the description of Gabby Petito. And I believe the autopsy was yesterday, Tuesday. What did they conclude? The FBI confirmed on Tuesday that the human remains found in Wyoming were Gabby and that this was a homicide. And as far as we know, the last person who saw her alive was Brian Laundrie, and no one has any idea where he is. Correct. Police have brought in underwater divers to search for him in Florida swamps and other bodies of water around the region of his family's home. I believe that pretty strongly implies that the cops in Florida think that there's a possibility he took his own life. And so if that happens, um, Gabby's family will never know what happened to her. You know, you think they only just found out after a month of searching that she died and that she died by homicide. So if he dies by suicide or if he vanishes and is never found, then her family will never have any justice for her and they'll never know what happened. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from NetSuite. I've never worked in media before, and it's really fun to see deals come through, especially when we signed with MKBHD and the Waveform podcast. That was one of my favorite shows on YouTube, and I've loved that we've partnered with him. 
I'm Christina Ho Rodriguez, and I am a senior manager of revenue accounting at Vox Media. At Vox, I'm not so siloed in my own revenue accounting department. I'm getting to see the big picture of, of what the company is working on. In my first year, the company went through a really big merger with another media company, and we switched from our old ERP system to NetSuite. We had to integrate NetSuite really fast. It was very user-friendly right out of the box. Over the last couple months, our team developed a new revenue reporting module that makes our reporting much faster, much more automated. I have a lot of hope with what we can do in the future with NetSuite so that we're able to optimize, make our team a lot more successful, and improve our processes. We're only as good as our best data, and NetSuite allows us to see it all. Discover the power of NetSuite, a leading cloud financial system serving more than 37,000 businesses. Download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash explained. That's netsuite.com slash explained to get your own KPI checklist. Support for Today Explained comes from Shopify. If medieval individuals had access to the internet, at least one of them would figure out the benefits of e-commerce, and the rest might shun them for witchcraft. <laughs> Luckily, the year is 2024, and anyone can actually make a living selling stuff online. You can start your own ye old online shop with Shopify, you can sign up for a $1 month trial period at shopify.com slash explained. It's all lowercase. You can go to shopify.com slash explained now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash explained. Businesses that grow, grow with ye old Shopify. Deal with it. <laughs> Asia, Gabrielle Petito isn't the only person who went missing this summer. She wasn't even the only person who went missing at Grand Teton Park this summer. She wasn't even the only person who went missing or was murdered in Moab, Utah in that week. There's a name for this phenomenon. I call it the missing white woman syndrome. <laughs> If there's a missing white woman, we're going to cover that every day. I think Gwen Ifill came up with this phrase, may she rest in peace. It's almost kind of self-explanatory, but if you think about the people that you tend to see on TV, the people whose cases get all the attention, they're usually young, pretty white women who are upper middle class or, or wealthy you can think of people like Natalie Holloway. Welcome back. With me tonight, live, Natalie's mom, Beth Holloway. We are taking your calls live. Lauren Spearer. College student from Scarsdale who went missing 10 years ago today. Lauren Spearer was 20 years old when she was last seen early on the morning of June 3rd, 2011. You know, you know their names because you know their stories because you have heard their stories in the media over and over again. Is this like a chicken or the egg situation? Like, do these stories get covered more because these are the stories that people want covered? Would people want the other stories covered or would they look away? I don't know who's to blame here. Do you? I think it's sort of a continuation of a phenomenon that we have seen throughout pop culture. The powers that be, the producers and the the people who are in charge of how media narratives get created, assume that the majority audience, white people, 
only want to hear stories about other white people. And this becomes the way that media is created and, and consumed for decades until people really start pushing back against it. The, the good thing is that you have definitely had people pushing back against this idea within the last two decades. You've had an increasing number of people within the true crime community um, from podcasters to investigators who have gone out of their way to really focus on and bring attention to uh, cases of marginalized victims. Without knowing her birth date, adoptive name, or any basic information about Cleo, our investigation for our podcast has to start here, on the Little Pine First Nation in Saskatchewan, where Cleo's story begins. You've had increasing conversation around, for example, the victimization and denigration of sex workers and the role that that plays in how crimes against them are investigated. Um, and you have all of this conversation becoming more public um, and becoming more a part of the mainstream. It's interesting to hear you shout out like the greater true crime community as sort of a service to these you know, coverage blind spots there have been for for decades because it also feels like maybe there's a dark side to this true crime community. I mean, there's like a podcast that's extremely popular called My Favorite Murder. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Like, should we have favorite murders, Asia? I mean, this is a very, very uh, timely question that you're asking. You know, I think a lot of people have been asking this since the serial podcast first sort of jump-started the, the new modern true crime phenomenon in 2014. But we can go back even further. If you think about the way that true crime was really marketed in like the 80s, it was like these very pulpy um, books that were like semi-fictional and rule talking about Ted Bundy and like very salacious titles, um, very lurid marketing. Um, and for a while, I think that that's all people thought true crime was. But there's been there's been a lot of deconstruction around that idea uh, over the last decade. And a lot, is, a lot of work has been done to really um, drill down into why people are drawn to these stories. And I think a lot of that has to do with not wanting to become a murderer or a murderee, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which are both very valid. <laughs> it's good to be reminded that this isn't necessarily a new phenomenon, though we currently exist in the sort of confluence of social media and murder and a fascination with true crime. The fascination with true crime predates this sort of confluence of social media and and murder sleuthing that we saw in sort of this unprecedented way in the case of Gabrielle Petito. It seems like the sleuthing itself has come under the magnifying glass here and people are examining whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, internet sleuthing can sometimes verge on what's called doxing, right? Where innocent people are having their addresses and personal information posted online because some crackpot sitting at home thinks that they solved some case, right? Absolutely. And in the very worst case scenarios, yes, this can backfire horribly. But we're talking about a community that has been around for a while. Like the, the actual forum Web Sleuths was formed in 1999. We want to make sure that when people come to websleuths.com to read, that when they read a discussion thread, that they will get information. They will get thoughtful uh, looks at the evidence. Um, and they have very strict rules about what you can and can't reveal. 
you're not going to get the drama and the rumors and the baloney that you will get in other places. The community has been really self-policing in a lot of ways. And it's really only when you have a lot of new people coming into the community that don't really have the rules in place for how to engage that you see things happening like what happened to a person who was wrongfully accused of being the Boston bomber, for example. We as a family received literally hundreds of phone calls um, and it was uh, it was very as well as watching our Facebook page that we've been helping uh, coordinate our search um, just get plastered with these baseless allegations. But that's exactly what's happening right now, right? There's there's going to be these viral murders, and there's always going to be people who sort of jump in to the more experienced web sleuthing and think they know something when in fact they're just people with like FiOS or something. <laughs> Exactly. And you're talking about the internet, right? You're always going to have a part of the internet that is sort of untamable and uncontrollable. But does that make the entire internet bad? Like a net bad? Like, I mean, some people might argue yes. But I think in this case, like the outcome is very concrete. Like without the internet, we would not have gotten the, the footage of Gabby's van on the side of the road. And this is not the only case that has been solved with the help of internet detectives. You know, there have been several missing cases, missing persons cases, for example, that have been solved because trained forensic artists decided to join in the search and decided to go through the files of missing cases and make new sketches of these people to try and draw new attention to them and get new eyes on them using new intelligent or new new information, new science, et cetera. And in some cases, those have been successful and people have been identified because of that work. So I think it's, you know, you have a range, you have a range of good, bad, and ugly, just as you do with every other thing that happens on the internet. If this moment is indeed unprecedented, if there's an unprecedented amount of attention on this one particular aspiring Instagram influencers case, is there a chance that some of that attention might spill over and help solve the thousands of other missing person cases across this country, regardless of, you know, social status or or race? I mean, I think that's the goal. That's the ideal outcome of this, right? That people who fall down this rabbit hole will fall down others. And when they do that, the chances of those cases being solved will increase. Um, But I think we also have to keep in mind that there are all kinds of things that could go wrong, you know? So it's important to remember that these are real people. And, you know, they're not caricatures. These are real traumas that they've experienced. And they're, they're not there for your entertainment or your exploitation. So please sleuth responsibly. Asia Romano writes about culture over at Vox.com. Our episode today was produced by Hadi Mawagdi and Victoria Chamberlain. It's Today Explained.